Well, hey, podcast pals, it's uh, Pastor Mark Driscoll here saying thank you for tuning in. I've had the honor of teaching the Bible for around 30 years. Happy to report I got my cancel card about a decade ago. Nice to get that out of the way. And now I'm back in uh, zombie mode, man. You can't kill me. And if you would do me a solid, I could really use your help. Number one, rate this podcast. Everybody gives me one in five star reviews. I need you to give me a five star. In addition, uh, review the podcast. Tell them it's good, it's helpful, it's fun, it's authentic, it's genuine, it's down the fairway, it's all about Jesus. And uh, share it. Uh, Let your friends know. Let your family know. And if you want to trigger your enemies, let them know too. I've been triggering woke joke folks since the mid-90s and glad to keep up the fight. All right, uh, Pastor Mark here with a Real Leaders Talk. Uh, two things to start with. Number one, congratulations on the sexy name. Maybe tell everybody what your name is. My name? Your name, yeah. Your first name. Mark. I know, sexy name, congratulations. Ah. <laughs> Number two, not to offend you, we wanna just be sensitive here. What, for this conversation, what would your preferred gender pronoun be? I just thought I should, just out of sensitivity, ask at the front. Can I go by son of God? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Son is a good one. Um, You are somebody that I've known for, what, 20 years, I think we figured out? Yeah. So I wanted to have a conversation with you. Let me set up kind of what I want to talk about, and then then we can jump right into it. So uh, I assume you would agree with this. Young men aren't doing well. No, they're not. And how old are you now? 48. 48. I'm uh, 52. Mm. So I think I would have been, when did you graduate? 93. Yeah, I was uh, 89. So we would have been senior and freshman Mm. together. Um, And so we're at that age now where we're dads and you're involved in ministry. We'll get into that. And there's a lot of need for fathering, quite frankly, like a lot of the issues I think the young men are having um, and a lot of the trouble that they're causing is the result of just not having a father, or yeah. not having a present, active, healthy, decent father. And yeah. so um, I know that's a big part of your heart and mine, but here's just a few statistics. This is how it's going. Uh, not in labor force category of young men, 7 million men ages 25 to 54, not in the labor force, not seeking a job. Like wow. gone, wow. not even, I don't know what those guys are doing all day. Wow. I'm sure it's you know not good. Um, that's the highest percentage of men who have exited the workforce in the history of America with no intent of returning. Hmm. So you just start looking at the numbers, like if men don't work and create income and then they're dependent and taking income, how does an economy even survive? In addition, um, first number one highest percentage of young men, 18 to 34, in American history still living with their parents haven't left home. Wild. Wild. 34. Like, hey, mom, uh, can you put some money in my account? I need to go get some more tequila. Uh, I mean, it's it's crazy. And so what happened, especially during COVID, the whole generation moved home. And those guys have no intention of leaving any time. I mean, the plan seems to be wait for your parents to die and inherit the house that you've never left. Wow. Uh, in addition, um, we know gender dysphoria. Young guys are very confused about gender and sexuality. They don't even know what a man is. Mm. Um, The highest percentage of gender dysphoria and transgenderism is actually sort of white middle-class males who I think just feel guilty for being the way God made them. Mm. Uh, In addition, uh, we know that guys are just soft. Um, Testosterone levels have dropped 1% every year since uh, 1980. Wow. So that means the average guy today has got about half the testosterone his grandpa had. And even grip strength, the average man's grip strength today is about the same as his grandmother 100 years ago. Wow. Which, <laughs> That's scary. Which means if your grandma was alive today and the same age, she could probably take you in arm wrestling in your 20s. Right. <laughs> which wow. is, you know, terrifying. Mental health, 42% of Gen Z has mental health. Um, higher percentage, over 50% is on some sort of mental health prescription medication. Um, 18.5 million kids today are growing up with no dad. Um, It's the highest percentage in the history of the nation. 25% of kids will have never had a father figure in their home. The majority of kids today 
born to women 30 and under, born out of wedlock. There's no father. Um, in addition, 27% um, of men, 17 to 24, are too obese to qualify for the military. Hmm. Um, you've also got sperm count is down 50% in the last 40 years. Um, six, this is the crazy one. 63% of young men are single. They're not in a dating or romantic or marital relationship. Only 34% of women are single. So almost two thirds of men, imagine being, uh, imagine being a young man like we were in our 20s. You have no girlfriend and you don't care and you're not looking and you have no motivation to find a girl, e even for a date. Uh, in addition, 34% uh, of young singles, females are single. And so you've got almost twice as many young men that are single than women. And so what the women are doing, they're doing one of two things. Uh, they're either marrying, they're either dating older guys. And so now you've got guys that are older and established and make money and they're dependable, but they're getting girlfriends the age of their daughter. Hmm. And the girls um, are becoming lesbians so they can have a romantic relationship because they find other girls more dependable than the young men. Shocking. Yeah, and so, and then the only thing that, um, that really young men are better at is addiction and suicide. <laughs> and so the addiction levels are off the charts, porn, video games, social media, uh, food, alcohol, just self-destructive behavior. And the average young man today is four times more likely than the average young woman to kill himself. So you've got guys like, there's going to be a lot of guys that listen to this. They're like, I'm good at porn and video games. My mom still pays my bills. I'm in my 20s. I'm obese. I have no testosterone. I have no grip strength. I have no sperm count. I have no girlfriend. I do feel like a victim. I have mental health. I'm taking meds. I'm in therapy and I'm struggling not to kill myself. So let's put the dad hat on and talk to those guys. Wow. Okay. Where do you want to start? And maybe tell a little bit about your story and, and kind of who you are and where you've come from. I wanted to set up the need because this is a, if, if, if you can't see this as a crisis, like you're not living in reality. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a crisis. My parents went to church, um, because they wanted my sister and I to grow up and not be heathens, according mm -hmm. to my dad. And um, they weren't Christians, but they picked a church, started going, met Jesus, got baptized, got saved. And that seed got planted. Yeah. And I'm a follower. My wife is. All my kids are. So you had a dad. I had, yeah, I had a dad. I had a dad who, who had, quite frankly, a horrible dad. So a dad who never held him, hugged him no and said, I love you. I mean, I just asked him the other night, I said, do you ever recall your mom or dad hugging you, holding you, mm -hmm. telling you that they love you? No, never. Not once. No. Not do you think once. that was generational or cultural or? Um, I, I think a little bit of both. I mean, it, it certainly ran in that family um, and by the grace of God, for whatever reason, um, God changed my dad's heart, mm -hmm. um, and his ceiling is my floor and hopefully my ceiling will be the floor for my kids and, yeah. and grandkids. And so that's how, you know, a legacy happens. Yeah. Um, in thinking about this conversation though, and now you just dumped a bunch of facts on me and I'm, <laughs> I'm utterly overwhelmed because you know, as I think about growing up, you know, I got into weightlifting, I competed in bodybuilding, I won the Mr. USA. Like I didn't. You were the other guy. Yeah. Like when, like when, <laughs> yeah. like when. First time I, I met you was tw I mean, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. You were competing and you were, tw I think you were twice the size. Probably. <laughs> I mean, you walked in, I was like, I think he has his own zip code. This is a very <laughs> thick man. And, um, and you were a Christian and you loved Jesus and you were asking, Hey, can my wife and I exercise and compete? And, and I remember that I still remember that conversation. Yeah. And part of it was cause everybody in my church was like skinny, you know, chain smoking, um, converse wearing angry punk rock 
you know, pasty white, um, just drinking Mountain Dew and very unhealthy. And you walked in, I was like, I hope he's on our team because none of our people can stop him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm like, you know, your whole, your whole message of don't be a consumer, be a producer. Um, like that resonated with me, but I, I had to, I have to be careful that I'm not living hashtag grind. Yeah. Like I need to follow Jesus hashtag rest mm-hmm. because I'll, I'll work. So your tendency is active, not passive. Yes. So, like I, like, I don't know how I, I never hung out with dudes that played video games and lived at their mom's house. Like I just never rolled with those guys. Like, I don't know to some degree. I didn't understand them. No, I don't either. And you know, ultimately it's a God sized hole in our heart. Right. That, I mean, just like the Jesus revolution movie I saw, like yeah. the hippies were looking for God in all the wrong places. Guys are looking for God. They just don't know where to go. Yeah. And, and it's an identity thing. Like you, you preached on Saturday and said, God spoke to me, you know, and he said, son, and that's what God calls me. And I was like, amen, amen. Because we have to realize who we are in Christ Jesus, that we are a son of God. And, and even in the last year, Mark, like God has utterly flipped my tables. I grew up reformed doctrine and I always thought the father was generally pissed off at me. Mm -hmm. Like God, the father was distant, austere, retributive, you know, Jesus loves me, but father, yeah, not so much reformed doctrine. Yeah. We don't even know what to do with spirit. We don't even like, no, we don't it's even Father, know Son, that. and Holy Bible. Right. Yeah, like the Spirit, we don't know what to do with them. Right. It's like the mean one, the nice one, and the weird one. That's the Trinity. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so like the Scripture, we now, with unveiled faces, see the glory and are becoming. Like, be, beholding is a means of becoming. Mm-hmm. What, what are you beholding? And, and, I, and I marred the face of God, like Adam. I thought God was pissed at me mm-hmm. and I read the scripture that Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father and it rocked me. And I read the scripture where God said, I was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're, oh, you're not far off. Like I felt like the Holy spirit said, I'm going to give you the grace to recline at the table like John the Beloved and hear the heartbeat of Jesus. And in hearing that heartbeat, I heard the footsteps of Abba. Mm -hmm. And it shook me. Yeah. It shook me. I was like, this triune God is for me. Yeah. He calls me a son. Jesus is the son of David. Yeah. He's not the great, great, great grandson. He's a son. Yeah. Like God is all about sons. And, and that's what, that's what the men, the boys, whatever you want to call them, the guys of this culture are missing is a father and they might not have one in their home, but they have access to the greatest father that ever lived that has no beginning, that has no end. Well, that's where I think, uh, the greatest need apart from salvation in our culture. I mean, people need to be saved by Jesus and filled with the Holy spirit, but, um, they really need a father. And, um, and you mentioned family, pastor Jimmy Evans was out teaching for me recently. He's a, he's got a father's anointing on him. When, when he walks in the room, the room gets a dad. Mm. That's just pastor Jimmy. And I, I love him for that. But, um, he, uh, he spoke it on the weekend, but then he said something, uh, outside of that. And he said that God is, God is always trying to build a family. And so like in the unseen realm, like in Job 38, it talks about the divine family are the sons of God. And then in the human family, Paul talks in Romans and Galatians about the human sons of God. And even in our day, they'll be like sons and daughters. Actually, no, son in the ancient culture, uh, it's a category that includes daughters um, and it it elevates the respect and the honor for the the girls. but within the ancient culture to be a son is to be an heir mm. it's to have full access to the to the to the household and the estate of the father um and uh, it was a it was a legal status that could never be changed because the father in that culture couldn't uh, couldn't disown you you were still legally in and you could never be out 
And so not by your own works, not by your own works. So you don't work your way in, you don't work your way out. Right. And um, just imagine that. What did it do for you? Because I had a similar view of God. And if you come from a reformed tradition, um, you tend not to understand that God deals differently with believers and unbelievers. Hmm. So you tend to wrongly think that that your anthropology is total depravity. Total depravity is true. Uh, Mind, will, emotions, whole person infected, affected by sin. But that refers to the unbeliever. When you become a believer, you're a new creation in Christ. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. You mentioned in Christ. That's the primary designation that Paul has, I think, like 80 times for the believer. Right. And it says over and over and over, hundreds of times, that we're saints. Right. You know, and so once you're a Christian, you have a new identity, or you're adopted, you have a new father, you're part of a new family, and you work from your identity. Yeah. And so, you know, that heart reform view of God, it it is true of his relationship with those who don't belong to Jesus, but those who are part of the family, the father is different. But I think for a lot of guys, they're either they either don't have a father or their view of God the Father is that he's like their dad, he's absent and gone, kind right. of deistic, right. or he's just sort of overbearing, harsh, unpredictable, and cruel. And uh, and I've said it for many years, I think uh, Jesus says, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. I think Jesus saves you, but the Father heals you. Mm-hmm. And I think what you just explained was like, I was saved by Jesus here. But I wasn't healed until here. And right. it's by the Spirit that we cry, Abba, Father. Right. So it's the power of the Spirit that gives us that healing presence of the Father. And I think there's a whole generation of guys that don't even know what we're talking about, but something in them is stirring. Right. Brennan Manning said that the, the conversion from mistrust, or excuse me, the, the movement from mistrust to trust in the Father is like a second conversion. Yeah. Like I... I had a second conversion in the last year and it almost feels as powerful, if not more so than the first conversion, because I always was like, I need more faith to do, you know, to be more valuable to God. I need more faith, but faith is a consequence of trust Mm -hmm. and trust is a consequence of, is he good? Yeah. It's relationship. And I was like, I didn't know if he was really good, Yeah, but it's the kindness and goodness of God that leads men to metanoia change the way you think realign your thought to the truth the way truth and the life of god and and that changing of that realizing oh he's a hundred percent for me oh i can put a hundred percent trust in him yeah and now my faith is enormous like i'll run through a brick wall for this guy yeah (laughs) well and how does that affect you being a dad because you're a dad yeah and in my and my daughters, I've got three daughters, two of them are married, and they've seen they've seen the transition in me over the last you know year or so, um, and just been like it's just really affected them in a good way. Yeah, I mean, I held my daughters, I loved my daughters, I told them how amazing they were, um, but for them to see me. Um, under the weight of the glory and the yeah. brilliance and the beauty and the love of, a, of an Abba. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I told John, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can come and talk about this without crying and this yeah. is supposed to be masculine. So I don't know if I fit. And, and he said, it's okay. Mark said that, that if, if guys don't cry once in a while, they're spiritually constipated. Yeah. I said, well, I'm quite regular. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I always talk about tough and tender. Jesus is lion and lamb. Mm. And a good man can be both very passionately and, and knows when to be one or the other. Mm. You know, And so there are days that Jesus is at war. And then there's days that Jesus is holding and praying over Jairus' daughter. Mm. You know, And so I think most guys, their picture of Jesus, he's tough or tender. Mm. In the reform world, he's more tough. Uh, in the uh, kind of soft evangelicalism, he's only and always tender, you know, and and he's both. He's lion and lamb. And so I, I think a healthy, my daughters make me cry all the time. They're, my daughters can make me cry at the drop of a hat. Um, you know, if they're going through something or they tell me they love me or they ask me to pray for them, like I'm very emotional. Um, and then with my sons growing up, 
I don't think I was the best dad in the world. I think I'm getting better with age, but like I always kissed them on the head. I always saw greatness in them. I always spoke that over them. And even to this day, my sons hug me and tell me they love me. They're, they're, yeah. I can't kiss them on the head because I can't get there. They're like <laughs> six, six, one, six, two, you know, but they're like, they, they tell me that they love me and, and you know, they hug me and I'm, I'm affectionate with my sons appropriately. So, and so I don't think, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, some guys it's Andrew Tate and uh, other guys, you know, it's Pete Buttigieg. And I'm saying, I don't think either of those are good options. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think either of those is a healthy masculine version. Right. You know, or God, the highest form of God's love is his judgment and wrath. Because I used to look at judgment and wrath in a negative light until I started realizing God will judge anything that separates me from him. Yeah. He'll pour out his wrath on anything get it out of that'll way. separate me from the, from the love of, of being in his arms. And, and in that context, I'm like, Oh, bring your judgment, bring your wrath. Yeah. Because I want to be led fully and freely by the conduction of the spirit. Yeah. I want to be led by those impulses, not mine. So what would you say to that? Cause you're not, I, I'm pastor. So I'm, you know, this is my job. Yeah. Uh, you have a real job. What do you do? And just kind of work life. Um, fresh cut produce business, 80 employees. Uh, two of my daughters work for me. Which is awesome. Yeah. And one, and one of my son-in-laws works for me. So it's, it's amazing get to, getting to see them every day. Um, I mean, my employees don't know this, but my kids come to my office eight o'clock every Monday and we pray for the people of the business some of them i don't know their i don't know really what's in their their life yeah you know i i i try to hand out paychecks every friday to thank my employees it's just something that i felt like i should be doing like these are the people that make this place go yeah and they need to see my face and hear me say thank you once a week and so i do that we pray for them um but ultimately the business is god's um and so it's his successes and it's his problems. Um, and I'm just blessed to be able to steward that it's, um, it's, it's blessed us in the, in the sense that I get to work with my kids. It's allowed us financially for my wife to go on staff at our church and, and be there and not take a paycheck from the church. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's good. See, that's part of that is, as a husband and as a father and as a man, it's like, I want to build something that then my, if they want to be, my kids can be a part of so that we can be fruitful and productive together. And then I have something to hand them, perhaps an organization, a business. I mean, we planted a church together as a family and all in and, and served. And it's been such a fun project. It's and awesome. what's it like for you to add a son-in-law to the mix? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't, I didn't think I would ever meet a young man that I would be willing to give my daughter to. Um, and by the grace of God, I've, I've literally met two Luke and, and Eli, Elijah, like there's there's nothing more precious than your daughter. You know this. Yeah. And to be able to give them to a man that you know will love them and cherish them and encourage them and pray for them. Yeah. There's nothing better. Yeah. And I'm just like, um, like I just want to pour into them too. Like I never had a son. Yeah. You know, Eli dated my daughter for a few years. And when I first met him, I was like, Hey, Saturday mornings, uh, leg workout gold's gym. Let's go, you know? And, and so it was like the, the running joke, like you want to marry one of my daughters, you got to go to the gym and, and survive a leg workout with me. <laughs> and, uh, even Luke, I remember him in the squat rack and, you know, I, and I like got in close to him. I whispered to him. I'm like, Hey, don't you lift this? Like you're dating my daughter. You lift it. Like you want to marry her. <laughs> and, uh, so it's been fun to like, I got sons. Like, yeah. I mean, I know they're my son-in-laws, but they're yeah. they, they ain't my son-in-laws. They're my sons. Yeah. Like I love these guys. Well, and that was, uh, I've got, uh, I've got a son that's married, baby on the way, daughter that's married, baby on the way, and a son getting engaged. 
And uh, yeah, for me, when you're raising a little girl, especially if you're close and you love her and you're active and you're present and all of that, you're like, is the thought at certain points of like, how am I gonna, how am I gonna possibly hand her off to somebody else? Um, and guys always use the joke, well, I'm gonna have a shotgun. I was like, you don't need a shotgun in your hand if you have your daughter's heart. Yeah. Because she'll trust you enough not to get into harm's way. Yeah. And so, uh, but then when the right guy comes along, you're like, oh, that's the guy. Mm. And he loves her and he's gonna take care of her and I can trust him. And once you get that guy, you're like, it's really a joy because like, I, I don't want my daughters to be lonely. Right. And I don't want them to be abused and I don't want them to be neglected. I want them to be loved and cherished and, and you know, um, I mean, my son-in-law's here and I, I love him. I respect him. I enjoy him. I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I start crying like, <laughs> you actually really love my daughter and she's safe with you. And the truth is like, now she's better because mm-hmm. it's not good to be alone. Right. And they're better together, and um, and now they've got their family, and they pray together, and they make their decisions together, and they lead their lives together. And I mean, it's crazy because even like uh, one of the clips that I said recently, I think it's the most viewed clip I've ever had in my whole life. It was uh, when you get married, he doesn't join her family, she doesn't join his family, they start their family. Yeah. And it just went global. Everybody's like, that's crazy. He's like, I thought that was obvious. Right. But like, if you can trust like your son-in-law that he's going to hear from the Lord and he's also going to listen to your daughter, then the two of them can go build their life and make their decisions. And then as a, as a father and a father-in-law, you get to say, how do I help? How do I bless? Right. Um, you know, how do I get into that number two position? You guys are primary. I'm now secondary. I'm not the biggest man in her life. Right. But I want to help the biggest man in her life succeed. Yes. Yeah, that's so good. You know, but how fun is that for you as a dad? For me, it's so fun. <sighs> yeah. I mean... I'm going to this leadership, this leadership thing for uh, Christian leaders. I'm not technically a Christian leader, nor is my my son, but he he helps lead Young Life. I mean, we're involved and serve, lead the deacons at, at our church, and so him and I are going to go. And it's the week, you know, it's it's the week before Easter, so it's going to be difficult. But I was like, hey. It's in Alabama. You think you want to get up at seven? I think we could make a flight, get down there, go to the event at night. We'll stay in the hotel, catch a seven a.m. Be back, you know, thirty-six hours. We we knock this out. You in? And he's like, Yeah, let's do it. You know. Um, and so from that to we were in Idaho skiing, and like I still beat his, I still beat him down the hill. You know, <laughs> um, probably not for long, um, but just getting to have the physical you know do the guy stuff um but also just pray together yeah like encourage each other um and and i have guys that that are my age that don't have kids and i'm just i don't understand that and i i don't either but i'm also utterly convinced because a lot of them are struggling some of them it's been a divorce or whatever yeah. and and they're struggling with like what's what's my purpose here and to your statistics oh oh there is a a throng of young men desperate for fathers you want to know what your purpose is find a young guy and go pour into him yeah go show him the love of the of the real father yeah. you know go walk with him go be with him i'm like you know, biological kids, you know, that share your DNA, that's great. But we share the DNA of, of the King of glory. So you got sons, they're all over the place and they're desperate for you to get involved. Yeah. Well, Paul says that he says, Timothy, Titus, Onesimus, he calls them all his sons Yeah. and they're not biological, but he's a spiritual father. And so there's two kinds of fathers, there's physical fathers and there's spiritual fathers. And uh, we have a lot of siring. We don't have a lot of fathering, mm. you know? And so, and Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, I became your father through the gospel. So if you take a young man or young men and you raise them up in the gospel, the father adopts them, but then you're, you're in a fatherly position. And that's what just really crushes me as a, as a guy who's, you know, 52 is like, 
in many churches, guys our age are not there. They're not active. The wife is usually there. She's trying to drag the kids, but they're yeah. getting too old to go, and the sons stop. So 60% of church attenders are female, not male. Hmm. And so a lot of guys our age, it's like, my kids are grown. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be active. I don't need to be involved. And there's even guys who are like, you know, I've read the Bible. I've got my theology kind of figured out. I kind of have my routine with God. And they sort of retire at the time that they're most needed. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's not about you reaching the point where you've raised your kids and, and you, you know that you belong to Jesus. Like what we really need now is we need fathers to be activated. Right. Otherwise, you know, there's nobody there. And, and where you're at, you're up in the Seattle area. I mean, the number of godly, healthy, heterosexual men who have the father's heart, I mean, you could probably have a conference in a phone booth. Yeah. I mean, you know, like there's just none of those guys. You would be shocked at my church, though. I'm telling you. Well, like, they all find they all find it. Yeah. So when there's one spot that has a fatherly anointing, all the fathers find it. Yeah. You, you with when it comes to a father's anointing, you get all of them or none of them. Hmm. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I see that where where we go to church. I mean, it's you know, like I love Pastor Russell, but I'm like I could write down 25 guys' names yeah. that I'm like these dudes are solid like there's a guy that's 88 wife passed away a couple oh. years ago was married 65 years before that this guy's at 7 a.m prayer every wednesday face down yeah get me around that guy get me around bill oh bill mcintyre i won't be around that guy yeah you know and i and i feel like i kind of got a, a little bit put together you know, I'm not as bad as the guy still living in his mom's house, but it's like they're available, though. You know, they're, they're, there's people available. There's people available even to me. Yeah. Like, come on. But Get up and go. <laughs> but how important is it, no matter where you're at in life, to find a guy who's ahead of you? Yeah. To kind of be the father. And then the guy who's behind you to be the little brother and to constantly be working. I think you've got to, to be yeah. healthy. You've got to be working both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's just like a family dynamic with, you know, you're in second place to the man in your daughter's life now, mm -hmm. her husband. Um, but what value you will bring to those to the grandkids, to their kids. Oh. I mean, it's invaluable for oh, them to hear yeah. your wisdom that's not inconsistent with the wisdom they're hearing from their father. Um, I mean, I just, I'm big on transgenerational legacy, you know? Like, I'm hoping I'm putting messages in a bottle to a generation I won't see. Mm -hmm. And Abraham didn't see all of them, but he, but he believed the promise yeah and like that's what i'm believing for yeah like my grandkids gonna do my grandkids are gonna shake this world yeah for the glory of god i'm convinced of it yeah and their kids after them i just found out my first grandchild is a boy and so yeah if he preaches i'll be four generations starting with grace's dad so good oh dude yeah it's great and so like the thought of like but see part of it is is a lot of young guys, they're not starting anything, they're not building anything. It's mm -hmm. like, unless you clear the ground and plant the seeds and pull the weeds and water the crops, there's nothing to harvest later and there's nothing to harvest for generations, you know? And so you started a family, you stay, stay with your wife, you know? And every marriage has those seasons where it's like, but by the grace of God, we're another statistic, even the good ones. Yeah. And you've raised your kids and you've built your business, you've stayed in church, um, you know, and now you've got, a, you know, you've got a garden that is fruitful and your family gets to harvest that and you get to, but if you don't start doing something, you don't have anything. And that is what really concerns me is like, um, you know, a whole generation of young guys, like this should be your prime, you know, energy, grind it out, right. get stuff done years. I mean, um, you know, I started over in my mid forties and God was gracious and put a tailwind behind that. And so things are pretty ridiculously blessed. But, uh, you know, as a young man, it's like, you've got to start building something. Right. 
um, because women and children live in the world that a man creates. And I know that's offensive and all the leftists just got triggered and <laughs> their mom could give them a hug since they're still living at home. <laughs> sure. um, but it's like a man builds a world that a woman and the children live in. Yeah. And if you don't build a world, the question is, well, do you, do you ever want to have a woman and children? And uh, are you waiting for the woman to build the world? And if so, then sh you don't have a wife, you have a mother. Right. You've married your mother. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, the guys that aren't starting anything, they're really, the short-sightedness is really something. Yeah. You know, because if you didn't start your marriage, start your family, start your business, grow in your faith right now, you'd have nothing to offer. Right. And we got, I mean, Christina and I got married what seems young in today's by today's standards, I was 22, she was 21. We were 21, and all three of our kids that are going to be married as of this year, married at 21. Yeah. So talk about maybe the benefit of even getting married young. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely age is just a number. Yeah, maturity is different. Yes. like Everybody needs some good news. Our world is filled with nothing but bad news. The good news is... The Bible tells us not just what happened, but what always happens. And we don't just need to look at the Bible, we can look through it and make perfect and total sense of this weird woke world in which we live. I've been preaching God's word for about 30 years, and I wanna let you know that real faith is independent, free, and a voice that is prophetic in a world that is pathetic. And I wanna thank you for your partnership. We are 100% supported by ministry partners like you. You can't cancel us. We don't have advertisers. We don't have publishers. You can go pound sand because people like you pay the bills. Go to realfaith.com slash donate, give your best gift and help me keep up the good fight. I have to be careful how I say this not, because not I was, me. <laughs> well, no, yeah. just from the standpoint of like, I was a knucklehead at 22. Everyone is. But I, I wasn't living in my mom's basement playing video games. Um, and so God's, you know, committed to um, conforming me into the image of his son. And honestly, being married at a young age just sped up that process like i didn't realize how selfish i was till i got married mm -hmm. I didn't, and then i didn't realize until i had kids you know and so i think there's value tremendous value in in marrying young like people are like oh i need to get out of school i need to have this amount of money in my bank account no you don't like all of that is a process yeah why wouldn't you why would you not want to share that process and grow and learn in that process alongside somebody that's helpful you know like is is the is the word used for god created eve um and it's it's a military term it's a term ascribed to god it's it's a, a term of a line of first defense my wife is a savage <laughs> she is a savage and like will will fight for our marriage for her yeah. faith and um i was just like wow god must have a there must be a lot of attack coming for me because he gave me a wife that is a strong yeah a strong first line of defense and say that, so let's talk about that too then what's the difference between a strong wife and an independent wife there's a big difference yeah there takes it takes a huge amount of strength i i believe especially for a strong woman to be willing to submit to her husband and and by submission i don't mean i'm a domineering put you under my thumb i mean it's the same sub i want to submit to the conduction of the spirit i want to be led by the impulse of the spirit and and because i trust i trust it it's good it it know, he knows what's best for me. Yeah. And if my wife is convinced of that, then then why would she not want to follow my lead? And and also why would I not want to consult? Like my wife's my wife's crazy smart, you know. Like I'll, I'll steal your line. I went to public school. Like I ain't that smart. <laughs> yeah. um, my wife's crazy smart and and filled with the spirit. And I you know like God will give her God will give her a word. You know, and so, um, 
she's very much like me in terms of hard charging. I mean, our daughters are, and when I say savage, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, they're just, they're strong women. They know, they know who made them. Um, and, and they, they will contend for the faith. And I would say if a, if a daughter has a strong father, she's safe and she grows strong. Mm. It's when she doesn't have a strong father and she's not protected that she gets broken. Mm. And so I think this, I think the most broken women come from the weakest men. And I think the strongest women come from the strongest men. Mm. And, uh, yeah, grace is resilient. She is, she is adorable but fierce fiercely loyal fiercely devoted fierce i mean she's been with me you know and i've it's been it's been a situation you know and we've been through it she's still there she's still praying she's still growing and she's the one person that in love will put her finger in my chest and disagree with me and go toe to toe yeah you know that's invaluable right yeah i mean not on date night right yeah (laughs) but yeah it's like you know um your wife um is a tremendous blessing and i don't know any man who gets ready for marriage without being married you could prepare your life in some of your circumstances but you're not made into a husband until you're with your wife and part of what creates a husband is just having to deal with your wife. Right. Yeah. Navigating that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my wife was Greek and Armenian, so it was like everything was a 10. We were, they straight up be yelling at the dinner table and then give me a kiss when I go to leave. And my, and my family was like, I never, I think I saw my parents fight once. Wow. So you turn it up to a 10, like, I'm going to go in the other room and lock the door. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to stonewall you, which don't work if you want to fight. You yeah. know, so, yeah, it was in our, our first few years were interesting. Every, but, every marriage is. But I told her, and I appreciate this because she was the same way. I said, you will never be my old lady. I will never refer to you no, as no, that. No, 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 no. And, and I will never have a mediocre marriage. Yeah. So we ever think we're getting into mediocrity, I'm a war to get out of it. And I can't do it alone. So don't, you want to be mediocre, I get it. You want just vanilla, vanilla ice cream's fine for some people, you want that, that's fine, but not with me. And she was like, nope, I'm, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Well, and in that, it gets better the longer you're married. Yes. Like we're both at the age now where a lot of, you probably have a lot of friends as we do that they are maybe Christian-ish, you know, maybe, you know, like they say they're Christian, but, you know. They punch a time clock, which is the most pathetic yeah. existence It's like I ever. go to church twice a month and try to stay awake yes. for a portion. And it's like, okay, well, congratulations. But those marriages are imploding and exploding because if it's the kids that are holding it together, mm. when the kids go. Yeah, what's left? There's nothing left. And so, you know, if you do fight for a good marriage and build a deep, genuine friendship with your wife, and you're building a life together that has a legacy purpose, a multi-generational purpose, these years that we're in, they're great. Oh, they're amazing. Dude, I mean, <laughs> we have we have a little more margin, we have a little more money, we've worked out some of our kinks, um, we know how to deal with things a little bit better, and now it's like, oh, this is, you know, we've been sewing for, you know, 30 years, and now it feels like we're reaping. I talked to a guy recently, he's at our church, his name's Bob, he's in his 80s. Mm-hmm. He just got saved and baptized like a year ago. I mean, he just... God. Yeah, he's... Honestly, those guys... <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've seen a revival in, in college. Like, yeah. college people are want, trying to figure out who they are. Yeah. But like, I have a heart. I want to see, especially down here in Arizona, like, I want to see revival straight up hit the nursing homes. Yeah. I want God to wake up. People at the last we minute. We can be baptized at an <laughs> yeah. epic clip. Yeah. But he got saved, baptized with his wife. So good. He's super encouraging. I, I love this guy. Every weekend he comes up, he grabs my face and gives me a encouraging word before I preach. He's just the best. But they just celebrated their 60th anniversary. Wow. And uh, when we had our 30th anniversary, he came up to me, he grabbed my face. He's like, Mark, the next 30 years are the really good ones. Mm, I believe that. It's like... I, I just, you know, everybody needs that guy. Yeah. 
you know, the first 30, and the first 30 were good. And I'm like, if the next 30 are the good ones, I can't wait to get there. Right. You know, and I don't want to blow it up. Right. So the time we have together, and thank you, and, and thank you for your ministry and your family. No, thank you. We love you guys. Yeah, you don't need to thank me. Years. Thank yeah. you. Uh, but you. You were impactful on me at a young age when I was a knucklehead, and you helped point me down a path, a better path of the way, the truth, and the life. And God took your words, and I raised my sail, and he sent the Spirit, and the rest is history. And he ain't done yet. Yeah, so. no. <laughs> no, wait till you get those grandkids activated. <laughs> so for the young guys that are listening, let's just talk real practically. They're like, okay, I, I get it. I need to be active. Let's talk physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, relational. To a young guy who's listening, Let's just start physical. And he's like, I'm that guy. Like, I need, you know, I need to hire somebody to, you know, to open a jar of pickles. You know, like, <laughs> I'm that guy. I'm soft. I, 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 don't, I don't eat well. I don't exercise well. I, I'm just a very soft guy. Just physically, where does that guy start to, to get things I mean, reset? I'm really convinced of the value of weightlifting. Yeah. And I know if you're 30, 40 pounds overweight and you've never done it, I like, I got tons of grace. Like sometimes there's dudes like in my circle that are like, Oh, that person's obese, whatever. I'm like, I got a ton of grace because if I was in their shoes, it is not easy to try to reverse that. But lifting weights affects your mental Mm -hmm. abilities your, your, testosterone your physical levels, abilities your structure I mean yeah there's just all the physiological stuff that that you're gonna benefit from doing that but don't jump into the deep end of the pool or you won't make it you know like start small I don't care what it is go go to a gym hire a personal trainer if you don't know what to do and start yeah. do I don't care if it's 15 minutes like don't overdo it because it has to be sustainable it's just like a diet I hate diets. There's no such thing as a diet because if you diet, you're going to come off it. Then you can go right back to where you came from. You need to create a lifestyle mm -hmm. of change and eat in a way that you ain't miserable. If you're miserable, you ain't going to, it's not sustainable. No. So, you know, baby steps and cut out the sugar. I mean, sugar is a, is a drug. And, um, I, I just think there's, there's a lot of small practical steps that we can take that that impact a lot of things mm -hmm. in in the natural um i mean of course i'm always like put it before the lord too you know like if you if you don't want to do anything ask for the spirit to give you give you the motivation to do it you know this isn't this isn't all a natural a natural phenomenon like there's spiritual things that, that at war against us as well yeah. and we got to overcome all of it and they they play on each other you know like i said pastor russell came and worked out with me for over a year and you know immediately he was like mark i can't tell you how much better i sleep how much yeah. better mental clarity i actually have um how much easier it is for me to rest i'm like well yeah I, because see too the i think a lot of christians they think well the soul the soul the soul and it's like well the right. soul is in the body and they work together yeah and when you die, eventually you get your body back. And so, you know, I think a lot of people, even their picture of heaven is our soul. But no, we get our body back. And so, you know, if, if you want to live a whole life, you've got to tend to the body. Uh, if your body is not well, your mind and your soul are going to be impacted. Yes. Yeah, well, you can't separate them. No. So, um, so go to the gym eat well where would you tell a guy young guys just starting like he's out of the workforce you're employing you're hiring as an employer like what are you looking for where does a guy get active he's like i i need to go to work like and i'll be honest like, i don't understand guys that don't work like, show up on time just yeah how about that S sober, why don't you, sober and on time why don't you just start there <laughs> yeah how hard is that to find right now sober and on time yeah not not easy <laughs> So, I mean, the, to me, the bar's pretty low, you know, like fog and mirror, get out of bed. There we go. <laughs> <laughs>
There's a guy in our church, uh, he got saved later, did not have a good upbringing, it was not in a good position, but he's gotten saved, he's gotten activated. I'm super proud of him, he's doing really well. So he got a job and uh, just same thing, showed up, did his job, kept his head down, and he recently went to uh, the boss after he's proven himself for a while, and he's like, someday I wanna get married, someday I wanna have a family, someday I want to be able to provide for my family. So what do I need to do to go up in this company, what do you need from me? I want to do that, and I want to earn a slot. Hmm. And um, and the boss said, uh, nobody's ever asked that question. They've hmm. always asked, what's my PTO? What's my vacation? Right. Can I get a raise? Nobody's right. asked, how can I lift more burden? Right. And the boss told him, he's like, well, actually, I do want to open another franchise, and we're going to need to develop somebody to run that. And so if you're serious about this, I would like you to take on more and more responsibility until you prove you can run a franchise. And if I give you a franchise, then you can actually get married and have a family. And so he's got, he's got an, he's got a path. Yeah. Cast the vision and then your language reverse engineer it. What do I need to do today? If I want to be somewhere five years from now, Yeah, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. And if he walks this path, you can't do that day one. You got to prove yourself for a while, but anybody in the company that is sober, showing up early, working hard, you know, good employee that says, I want more responsibility and down the road, I want to lift more burden and generate more revenue so that you profit and I can provide for a family. Those guys are unicorns right now. They are. Yeah. Yeah. Any, anybody from if my business came and said that I would be like, oh yeah, let's, let's map to, let's map out a path. Yeah. You know, you got to walk it, but let's map it out. Totally. So physical, um, vocational and then spiritual for a guy who's needing to get activated maybe he's kind of a christian you know i mean you know i i don't understand the guys that are half-hearted i don't understand that Mm. i'm more all or nothing you know yeah i'm in or out yeah um but for those guys that are just sort of in that lukewarm you know just sort of steady state of very little what would you encourage them just some very practical things to get activated spiritually. I mean, you've got to get into the body of Christ. So you've got to get into a church that's not dead or woke. Yeah. Or woke. And if you walk into either one of those, turn around and walk out. Yeah. You got to look, keep looking until you find it. Don't settle, you know? And, um, I mean, for me, it's interesting starting with reformed doctrine. Like I don't, I'm grateful for the reformers. Some of these guys risk their lives, you know, sort of getting back to what you had said, Martin Luther said, we're snow covered dung. Well, Paul said, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going with Paul. Mm. Um, but so I've got a, I've got a foundation of doctrine and theology and, and I'm now moving more in the charismatic. All of evangelicalism is. Yeah. And I've got a grandson coming and when I hold him, I'm not going to say, welcome snow covered dog. Right. I'm going to speak blessing and de- destiny over him and greatness. That's what I did with his father. Love that. First time I held my son, I. I prayed destiny over him and I consecrated him to the Lord. Love that. And uh, it's like, you know, I mean, so if, but what that allows is that allows guys who are passive and indifferent to not do anything because that would be prideful. And it's like, no, no, if you are saved and filled with the spirit and called to destiny and greatness, then doing something isn't pride. It's worship. Right. Yeah, probably, that's an interesting thought too, because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the to the humble. And he gives the, grace to the humble so they can do things. Right. And the first time I heard that, I was like, "Yeah, don't be arrogant like those idiots." But then God said, "Well, grace is a gift, and and the the humble need that same gift." And then recently, God said, "Pride is believing anything that's inconsistent with what how I think." Yeah. And so you thinking less, you thinking that you're snow covered dung is actually, you're prideful. Mm-hmm. Like Mark, you're, you're, God's like, Mark, you're still prideful because you're still caught in the cul-de-sac of self-effort trying to 
work your way out. It's He's so like, you need to dismiss, dismiss Ishmael from the camp. You need to live by the promise of the woman, as Paul talks about in Galatians. Um, and so that was, that was shift. That was a shift for me, but for the guy looking for more spirituality, I mean, I ask for it every day. Well, Jesus says. And he will, like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, you got cancer. I pray for you. I believe you could be healed. And I believe God can do that. And he will he do it here or will he do it in the, in, in, you know, when you die, he will do it. But there's one thing I can, that I could pray for you that I know that if you pray for, you will get 100% of the time. Give me more of you, God. I want, I want to be filled with more of your spirit. I want to know you more. Yep. Whatever it takes, give me more of you. He will answer that with an affirmative yes every time. But you got to keep asking because it doesn't always just happen in one, yeah. you know, one and done. But like, that's my prayer every day. More of you, more of your spirit. Fill me up. I'm grateful for that foundation of doctrine, but lead me by your spirit. Well, yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a theological guy, a Karuta systematic theology, but all, all theology does, it builds a boat, but you need to get the sail up. The spirit needs to fill it and you need to captain the ship of your life. But I, the but I had blisters on my hands because I thought I was supposed to row that boat. Yeah. No, no, no. And then God said, no, you need to raise that sail because I watch over my word to perform it. Mm -hmm. It's my word. I watch and I perform. Get your sail up. Yep. So what would you tell a young guy looking for a church? What do you look for in a church? And what are flags of like, this ain't your team? Healthy families. A, ma a man who loves his wife, who's there with a the family. If there's some, if there's, if you see a nuclear family that looks healthy, this, you, you're probably on the right path. Starting with the pastor, the senior he, pastor, and his, he, if, if he's, if his wife hates him and his kids are blogging against him. Hello. Yeah. I don't care what <laughs> seminary he went to, you know, you got to graduate life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a start. And, and hopefully some people in the congregation yeah. like that and get around them. Like, I assure you, I got a full schedule, but I assure you if some young guy comes up to me in my church and says, I need to get around you. How can I do this? could you make time for to meet me for coffee oh I'm, i'll drop every I'll, I'll figure it out i'll get it worked out mm -hmm. so so make yourself you know put yourself out there well and sometimes it's just being useful it's like hey i want an hour or two if you're building a fence at the house or you're clearing land can i come and help when we talk because mm. usually what happens with fathers and sons a lot of the fathering doesn't happen over coffee it happens during life good point you know, and if a guy's busy, it's like, well, if you're doing something, how can I help you do that? Right. You know, even if it's, uh, you know, he's got a long commute for work. It's like, hey, can I ride into work with you? And we talk on the way and yeah. hang out or whatever. I mean. Yeah. When I was a kid, I'd go out and change the oil, more or less get in the way while my dad changed the oil in the, in the car. And I don't know if he said two words to me, but I felt like we bonded. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different for a girl, sure. But but for a guy, like, like I said, I mean, I, I I could work out with a guy for an hour, say nothing to him, other than come on, lift that thing, mm -hmm. and and we walk away like, man, that was the best time I've had. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, I appreciate your time. Appreciate your family. Um, it's good to see you again. Yeah, you and uh, it's fun heading into the grandfather years. I think that's. To be able to disciple your grandkids, that just seems like like all the work to get there. You're still with your wife, still with your God, and then to see the next generation show up and then to be able to make deposits there. That I mean, that, that seems like the best season. I, I'm excited for uh, that. Yeah, me too. Could you do us a favor and just pray for those guys um, yeah. that are listening, the young guys that, that need to get activated, and, and the sooner the better. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. <clears throat> Lord God, I just um, am so grateful for the ministry that you've given to Pastor Mark and and for what he's doing for the kingdom and for men. And Lord God, I just pray that you would uh, that you would dispatch your 
spirit in a powerful way that that young men would dream dreams and see visions if that's what's needed lord god that they would come into an an encounter with the presence of the living god that that your glory would be known to them and your goodness would be known to them to such a degree lord god that it would shake and change everything in their lives lord god and that and that you would lead them into healthy churches that you would um, get them to activate as part of the body that we need them as as disqualified as they may feel i just pray against uh, any lie of the enemy against them that 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 they bring nothing of value to the body no the body needs them in whatever capacity that they could serve that they would get involved that they would serve and that you would lead them uh, by your spirit and that you would love them well that um, that you would call them to be the men that you created them to be lord god that they would follow after uh, the last adam in the risen savior jesus christ in in whom we put our faith and trust and hope in his good name i pray amen amen thanks mark yeah if you're a dude you need to learn how to exercise your dominion This semester at Real Men, I'll be teaching a special series, Dominion for Dudes. If you pick up the Bible and just get a page or two in, you're gonna learn that your God has dominion. You're his son, he has delegated his authority to you. You need to be a dude who stops making excuses and starts making plans to use his authority to exercise your dominion over your life, your body, your finances, your family, your marriage, your legacy, your soul, and your future. If you're a good man, you're gonna get better. If you're a bad man, you're gonna get fixed. And if you're a woke man, you're gonna get triggered.